This is Franchise Friday, a short episode designed to talk all things franchising. As a listener of the Path to Freedom podcast, you know you want to take control of your life and create more freedom for yourself. But have you ever stopped to consider franchise ownership as an avenue for doing just that? Owning a franchise means you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And it can be a great way to become a first-time business owner or even for a seasoned entrepreneur to expand their portfolio and break into a new business. But where do you even start? I know firsthand how overwhelming of a process it can be to figure out which franchise companies are good, which ones might be a good fit for you, and how to go about vetting them. And that's exactly what I'll be talking about in these episodes. I'll be detailing the methodical process I use with my consulting clients to help them navigate what would typically be an overwhelming process. There's an art to finding the right franchise for you and conducting a thorough investigation, and that's what I'll be unpacking on Franchise Fridays. Thanks for tuning in. Let's drop in. Hey, what's up, P2F listeners, and happy Friday. If you're listening to this on the day the episode comes out, it is Good Friday, so happy Easter to anyone listening to this live. And, you know, the way I look at it, every Friday is a good Friday to talk about franchising. So let's go ahead and dive into another episode of Franchise Friday. If you caught last episode, we talked about one of the biggest things that holds people back from making moves to take control of their lives and create more freedom for themselves through business ownership. And that is fear. Well, I want to segue that last episode into the topic I want to talk about today, which really kind of goes hand in hand with fear. And that is the franchise agreement itself. You know, I work with a lot of people and they get a little bit hung up on, you know, actually having to sign the franchise agreement. So, you know, for some people, this agreement plays into some of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that they have prior to committing to become a franchisee. But for others, you know, I've seen people that have, you know, been able to get past, you know, the majority of this FUD that they're having. But then when it comes time to actually sign the franchise agreement, they start second guessing themselves and, you know, rethinking whether or not it's a good fit. And, you know, I understand why this is. I mean, it's a huge commitment, right? Not only a huge monetary commitment to, uh, you know, become a franchisee, but you're signing an agreement. And in most cases, they're pretty long-term agreements. Uh, Franchise terms are anywhere from five to 10 years, typically. I would say seven to 10 years is most common, uh, just in, in terms of how long the agreement should last. And then, of course, franchise agreements are going to allow for options to renew the agreement at the end of the term. So it's a long-term relationship that you're signing for. And if you've listened to the prior episodes of Franchise Friday, I've talked in great detail about how to go about selecting the right franchise businesses for you, how to go through the due diligence process and really understand everything that you would need to to get to the point of being confident that a franchise business is a great fit for you and something that you will have a very high likelihood of being successful with. So 
if you've gone through this process the right way, you know, you should be very, very confident that the franchise you've selected and the franchise that has approved you to become a franchisee is the right fit. But as we talked about in last week's episode, that doesn't remove the anxiety and the fear that comes with making a decision like this. And I've just seen it so many times that the franchise agreement itself really plays into that. And that act of having to actually sign a long-term agreement can be pretty pretty anxiety-invoking for a lot of people. So I want to share my thoughts on this topic. I want to share the exact same advice that I share with my consulting clients when they get to this point in the process. And if you've ever read a franchise agreement, you know, you, I, for me, certainly I can understand why, why some people are apprehensive to sign it. Because when you read it, it reads pretty one-sided, you know, in favor of the franchisor. When you read a franchise agreement, your initial reaction is likely going to be that, wow, the franchisor can pretty much do anything they want to do in this relationship. And I, as the franchisee, have pretty limited ability to, uh, you know, take certain actions, right? I mean, it's a pretty rigid agreement in most cases. My thoughts on this are simply that, you know, if you've done your due diligence right, and as we've talked about, a big part of what you should be evaluating as you're investigating a franchise business is who is it that you're actually partnering with, right? So beyond the financial components, uh, beyond uh, the initial fees, the ongoing fees, the support that the franchisor is going to provide you, all of these things, you need to really be getting a good sense of, you know, who it is you're partnering with, you know, the leadership of the company, but also you need to be getting a really good feel for the culture of the company. And a big part of doing that is talking to other franchisees. So my advice to anyone that's really struggling with the idea of signing a franchise agreement, you know, when you're talking to franchisees and doing your validation, you know, talk to them about the agreement. Hey, you know, have you had any issues with, uh, you know, the franchise agreement since you've signed? And the reason I suggest that is because, you know, most franchisors, especially good franchisors, are not sitting around looking for reasons to throw the franchise agreement at their franchisees. And, and really, at the end of the day, the franchise agreement is in place to protect the brand. So as long as your intention coming into a franchise is to follow the system, to do what's expected of you, and to try to build as successful of a business as possible, you know, working hand in hand with the franchisor, then you really should not be anxious about signing the franchise agreement because chances are, once you sign it, you'll never really have to discuss what's in your franchise agreement. The franchise agreement, as I said, is there to protect the brand. And as a franchisee that's doing what you need to be doing, that's representing the brand well, that's you know working very hard to build their business successfully, you'll be very glad that the franchisor has a more rigid franchise agreement that gives them the ability to take action when they need to 
in the interest of protecting the brand. Because as we've talked about throughout this series, there's so many benefits to joining a great franchise system, right? One of the potential negatives though, is that you're sharing the brand with other franchisees, right? So while you could be on one side of the country, running a great business, taking great care of your clients with a fantastic reputation for the brand in your local area, a jackass franchisee on the other side of the country could be, you know, operating outside of the brand standards, doing things that they shouldn't be doing, not taking good care of clients, and essentially running the brand name through the mud. And unfortunately, that could potentially have negative implications on your business, even though you're doing everything that you should be doing. That is when you will be very grateful that your franchisor has the ability to take action against that franchisee that's operating outside of the brand standards and protect the brand. So that's just kind of one example to hopefully give you some perspective of why franchisors have their agreements structured this way. It's not because they are sitting around, you know, waiting for franchisees to put one toe out of line and then they can, you know, like call them into the principal's office and have a stern conversation with them and say, hey, see section whatever of your franchise agreement, you're in violation of this. And especially if you've, you know, partnered with a franchisor where you had a really good feeling about the culture and you talk to other franchisees and they, you know, validated that the franchisor and their experience has always been very willing to work with them and, uh, you know, happy to help in any way that they can, then chances are, even if, you know, something's a little bit off in your business that, you know, maybe has you kind of falling below some of the requirements in the franchise agreement, chances are your franchisor, instead of just throwing the agreement at you and saying, hey, you're, uh, you're operating uh, outside of your agreement, they're going to say, hey, you know, it looks like you may be struggling a little bit with this. Why don't we sit down, come up with a plan? How can we help to get things back on track for you? Nine times out of 10, that's going to be any good franchisor's initial reaction to a situation where a franchisee may not be completely in compliance with the franchise agreement. So, you know, that's just, that, these are my thoughts, you know, my personal experience, you know, we've signed franchise agreements and, you know, it's not something that I lose any sleep over. And, and it's really just because I know our intention, right? Our intention as franchisees is not to come in and try to, you know, operate outside of the franchise agreement. I'm not going to try to, you know, deviate from the systems and the processes that the franchisor has laid out. I'm not going to try to deviate from you know, the brand standards, um, you know, these are just things that I, I know we're getting value from. It's a big part of the reason we invest in a franchise in the first place. So it's not something I lose any sleep over. Now, that being said, I certainly don't want to diminish the importance of the franchise agreement and the importance of making sure you understand what's in it and what you as a franchisee would be obligated for uh, after you sign the agreement. So I'm not saying, hey, don't read it, just, you know, toss it to the side and, you know, sign whatever they put in front of you. No, definitely read through it. Make sure you understand everything that's in it. If you have any questions, ask the franchisor. You know, most franchisors are going to be happy to 
spend as much time as they need with you to answer any questions, address any concerns that you may have related to the franchise agreement and help you get to a place where you're comfortable with it. And, you know, one of the questions I get pretty often from people that I'm working through this process with is, you know, hey, Wes, should I uh, hire an attorney to review the franchise agreement for me? And, you know, there's not necessarily a right or a wrong, uh, I guess, answer for this. You know, my advice to my clients is always, if you want to hire an attorney, number one, make sure you hire an actual franchise attorney right? Not an attorney that specializes in a, another type of law. Make sure to hire an actual franchise attorney because they read hundreds, if not thousands of franchise agreements. So they're very in tune with what is common to be found in a franchise agreement and what may not be so common. So an actual franchise attorney would be in a very good position to you know, read through a franchise agreement for you and say, hey, you know, this looks pretty standard with, you know, the vast majority of other franchise agreements I see out there. Or they could say, hey, this this is a little bit off from what I typically see. So you may want to go back to the franchisor and get some clarification on you know, why they have this in there or why it's worded that way. All right. So that's number one. If you do decide to have an attorney review your franchise agreement, make sure it's a franchise attorney. All right, just like if you're going to go to the doctor and you need a specialized procedure, let's say it's a knee surgery, well, you're going to want to work with an orthopedic surgeon, not a brain surgeon. All right, same thing here with attorneys. Secondly, if you're going to hire an attorney to review the agreement, make sure you have the right expectations in terms of what to expect the result to be from that. All right, if your goal is to hire an attorney to review the agreement and then send a redlined version of that agreement back to the franchisor with a laundry list of changes that you're asking for and you're looking to begin a negotiation with the franchisor uh, to, to essentially have them carve up their franchise agreement, that is not the right expectation, okay? Most franchisors are not really willing to negotiate their franchise agreement. And there's valid reasons for this. Number one is, you know, their goal is to keep all of their franchisees on a level playing field, right? So if they start cutting deals with, you know, one franchisee that's negotiating certain areas of the franchise agreement, and then they cut a deal with someone else, but it's a little bit different, but then you know, five other franchisees over here just signed the franchise agreement as is. Well, now their franchisees are not not on the same playing field necessarily. And that's just a slippery slope for franchisors. I mean, we've talked about how the FTC regulates franchising. Well, there's actually some legal repercussions for a franchisor if they negotiate certain areas of the franchise agreement. And they actually have to disclose that in their franchise disclosure document. So, you know, if you see that in a franchise disclosure document, that tells you that the franchisor has been wheeling and dealing a little bit and, and kind of cutting deals uh, with franchisees. So it's a very slippery slope. Most franchisors, you know, just don't want to put themselves in a situation where 
a franchisee could ever come back and say, hey, I found out that you gave so-and-so franchisee a better deal than me. Uh, it could just cause a lot of unrest amongst the franchise system. But also, again, remember the value of a franchise system here is standardization across all of the franchisees, which is really the main reason it's so important that franchisors keep their agreement the same across all of their franchisees. So if you are hiring an attorney to review the franchise agreement, do not expect that the result of hiring that attorney is that they're going to be able to get the franchisor to negotiate the franchise agreement and bend on all of these different requests that you may have. Now, that being said, there are, you know, some areas that many franchisors will, you know, be willing to listen, right? If, if your attorney were to come back and say, hey, you know, the, the way the language is written in this one section is not as clear as I'd like to see it. Would you mind adjusting the language a little bit just to clarify what you mean? Sure. You know, I've seen franchisors make those types of exceptions because at the end of the day, they're not really changing the terms of the agreement. They're just adjusting the wording to make sure that it's as clear as it should be. Um, so why would you then hire an attorney to review the agreement if the goal is not to uh, negotiate with the franchisor? Really, the purpose for hiring an attorney to review the agreement is so you can make certain that you understand everything that's in the franchise agreement and that you are very, very clear on what the franchisor is responsible for and what you as the franchisee are responsible for. So, you know, some people are more comfortable reading legal documents than others. So if, you know, reading a legal document and really understanding what's in it and what you're going to be held accountable for as a franchisee, if that is something that's not quite as comfortable for you, then maybe hiring an attorney makes sense. But, you know, any good franchise attorney is going to cost, you know, at least several thousand dollars to, uh, to hire them to review an agreement for you. So, you know, just really make sure you understand what you should be expecting to get for that money. And it is not, you know, a new franchise agreement after a series of negotiations between your attorney and the franchisor. The other reason you don't want to, you know, get into a hardcore negotiation with the franchisor about the agreement is because it's just not a great way to start off a partnership. And so again, you know, I come back to validation and talking with franchisees. If you have concerns with the agreement, even if you've already done your validation calls, maybe circle back and talk to some of the same franchisees that you already talked to and say, hey, I'm just curious, like, you know, have you ever had any issues with you know, not being in compliance with the franchise agreement? And if so, how did the franchisor handle that? Or, you know, is the franchise agreement just something that, you know, you really have no issues with at this point, you know, as a franchisee? You know, chances are, I mean, most franchisees, as long as they're following the system and as long as they're part of a good, strong franchise system, their franchise agreement gets filed away. It's not something that they're thinking about on a regular basis. Once that agreement's signed, it's head down, get to work, let's start building this business. You know, usually very good relationships with the franchisor and the franchise agreement is just not something that gets thought about or talked about very often. Um, there's one other kind of, I guess, common concern that I see a lot of people with when it comes to franchise agreements and that will be uh, minimums 
Uh, it's pretty common that franchise agreements will have minimums built into them. So that could be a minimum amount of revenue that you're expected to do as a franchisee over a certain period of time. Um, and if you don't hit that revenue, you still owe a minimum amount of royalties. So that scares some people. Some franchises also have marketing minimums built into their franchise agreements where they would say, hey, you know, you're expected to spend at least a certain amount of money each month towards marketing and advertising. Uh, and that freaks some people out. So, you know, my thoughts on this is, you know, usually the minimums, especially as it pertains to minimum royalties, right, or the minimum amount of revenue that you would need to generate over a period of time. In my experience, those are all very, very low right? To the point where if you weren't hitting the, the minimum royalty numbers, you've got bigger problems than having to worry about paying that minimum royalty to the franchisor. Uh, usually those minimums are very, very low. And also make sure you read these sections in the agreement very carefully because in many cases, the franchisor is going to give you a grace period before any of these minimums would kick in. So you have time to get your business up and running and to get it kind of ramped up and to get things established before you're actually going to be held accountable for any of these minimums. So make sure you understand that once you do. And then again, look at the revenues that other franchisees are doing. Ask them about these things in the validation calls. Have you ever had any trouble hitting your minimums? You know, when it comes to the marketing minimums, these are usually there for good reason. And I find a lot of times that franchisors start out when they first start franchising, they don't have any of these marketing minimums. But as they evolve, they learn that they need them because some franchisees come in and they're willing to invest in marketing and advertising and they get much better results. Whereas other franchisees that may be hesitant to invest in marketing and advertising, they get off to a much slower start. So eventually, in many cases, franchisors will say, hey, well, we're just going to start requiring franchisees to spend at least a certain amount of money each month towards marketing and advertising. So if that's concerning to you, in your validation calls, ask franchisees how they feel about the marketing minimums and ask them, hey, each month, are you spending like, you know, as much as they ask you to or are you actually spending more? And I can almost guarantee you that in many cases, you'll hear from franchisees that they're spending well beyond the marketing minimums. And that's usually because they can see that they're getting a great ROI on that marketing spend. And that's the key mindset shift that a lot of people have to make right there is any cost outlined in a franchise agreement related to marketing and advertising, you need to view that as an investment not a cost. And good franchisors are going to have great direction and great guidance that they give a new franchisee in terms of where they should be spending their marketing dollars to get the best results. And then they're going to have great systems in place to track how well the different marketing vehicles are performing so that over time you can get a very realistic idea of what your return on the investment of your marketing dollars looks like which gives you more confidence to continue investing and maybe even increase your budget. So I just wanted to hit on those two things right there because I know that's another thing that uh, I've seen hang people up 
when it comes to the franchise agreement. So it, to, to wrap this one up, uh, you know, franchise agreement is not something, you know, that should scare you as a potential franchisee. In fact, the tighter the agreement, the stronger the franchisor, the stronger the brand, the more value that adds to your individual business. The only reason you should really be concerned about signing a franchise agreement is if coming into it, you know that you're not intending to follow the franchisor system, you know, to uh, be a good franchisee and to follow the brand standards. And if that's your intention, then you don't need to be investing in a franchise in the first place. So it's probably best that you don't sign the franchise agreement. But as long as your intent is to follow the system, put your head down, do the work, then, you know, nine times out of 10, the franchise agreement's going to be just fine. But again, make sure you read it and understand it. As we've already talked about, not all franchisors are created equal. I have seen some funky franchise agreements out there that I certainly wouldn't sign. So I'm not saying that, you know, every franchise agreement is okay to sign as long as you you know, feel confident that you'll do well in the business, make sure you read it, make sure you understand it. If you do have, you know, questions first, take them to the franchisor. If they're not able to uh, satisfactorily address them, then, you know, if you do want to hire an attorney, make sure it's a franchise attorney. Um, but, you know, to me, in my experience, the franchise agreement should not cause nearly, nearly as much apprehension as it does for so many people, especially if you've gone through your due diligence process the right way. And so if you haven't caught all the other episodes of Franchise Friday, I highly recommend going back to the beginning, starting there, listening through an order, because this entire series is all about the process that I use with my consulting clients to help them get clear on what they want to accomplish through business ownership, how to select the right franchises to investigate, and then how to conduct a proper investigation, make sure you're covering all your bases, turning over all of the rocks, and gathering the information that you need to confidently make an educated decision. So if you've done all of that right, the franchise agreement should not prevent you from taking that final step signing, and then starting down your own path to freedom as a great franchise owner. So I hope this helped. Thanks for tuning in. Share this with someone that will get value from it. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend or rest of their week whenever they're listening to this, and we will talk to you next time. Go drop in. Thanks for dropping in with me to this episode of Franchise Friday. I hope you learned something new. If you're interested in speaking with me about how you can start charting your own path to freedom through franchise ownership, I'd love to have a conversation. I provide a free consulting service to help people just like you identify and investigate franchise businesses that will help them create freedom in their own lives, and I'd love to help you with the same. You can visit my website at www.path the number two frdm.com or send me an email at wes at path the number two frdm.com make sure to tune in to next week's episodes of the path to freedom podcast and follow or subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and if you know someone else that would get value from this please take a moment to share with them until next time 
go drop in.